As we wind down 2020, a year that we can't wait to see in the rearview mirror, we are looking back at some of the things we did that we enjoyed. And that includes here on the Killcoin Conversation, one of my favorite visits. It was early during the shutdown. Everybody was at home. Everybody was Zooming. And uh, a lot of talk about David Freeze and Game 6 of the World Series. I think Fox Sports Midwest locally kept playing the, the game, and people love it. And you notice in that game, you almost forget Lance Berkman had a huge hit. David Freeze tied it in the ninth, but Berkman had to tie it to keep it going so Freeze could hit the dramatic walk-off home run. And it got me thinking about Berkman, who had just two years in St. Louis. But, boy, 2011, he had 31 homers. He was an all-star, top 10 MVP votes. Great season for Berkman, and it was kind of strange after all those years being a Houston Astro to see him not only in St. Louis, but beloved by Cardinal fans. And then when you talk to the guy, great stories about how he used to hate Larusa and his connection to the fans despite only being here a couple of years, why he was called Fat Elvis and Big Puma, really glib. Reminds me a lot of an Adam Wainwright. You get him going, you could talk to him for hours, and they're just great guys who are interesting to talk to. So we thought we'd hit the old rewind button. For those who did miss it, it was a lot of fun. If you've already heard it, you'll enjoy hearing it again. He's that much fun to talk to. Lance Berkman, as we close out the Kilcoin conversation in 2020. And remember to take care of our great sponsors. That includes Triad Bank, located in Frontenac, but it doesn't matter where you live. They're easy to get to, right by that intersection of Lindbergh and Highway 40, Clayton Road, Neighborhood Friendly Bank, based in St. Louis since 2005. They started the bank here all the decisions made in town, and I know early on during the pandemic, Jim Regna personally in the bank helping out their clients, restaurant owners, business owners, trying to get them some of the, the money that was available, just trying to navigate a tricky time. And I know they had hands-on service. That's something you can count on at Triad Bank. Get them on the web at triadbanking.com. Also, our great friends at Marie de Villa Senior Living. The tree is still up at the corner of Clayton and Wideman Road. Largest Christmas tree in St. Louis County. Just festive people. Really, the whole campus there, always decorated depending on what the holiday is. So if your loved ones are living there in their senior years, you know they're getting taken care of by great people. Fred and Mary Kay, Weeds and Hand, have been running the show there for a long time. You can take a virtual tour at mariedevilla.com. Also, it's appliance discounters. They're all around the St. Louis area. They're on the web TheAppliancedDiscounters.com. In the market for a dishwasher, a lot of folks this time of year at home, maybe some family and friends coming over, maybe not as many as it used to, but the dishwasher gets a workout. You need to have a Bosch. It's quite simply the best dishwasher on the market, but it's also, and I can attest to this, the quietest dishwasher on the market. And if you need a Bosch dishwasher, you get it from Appliance Discounters because they always have the lowest prices. TheAppliancedDiscounters.com is where you can find them online. Just go into that little search engine there and type in Bosch, B-O-S-C-H. Check out all their great material, all their merchandise right there on the website, TheAppliancedDiscounters.com. Let's get to it. Lance Berkman, and we'll start with Game 6, the 2011 World Series, a team that had to come back all year one final game where they had to make a dramatic comeback. That's where we pick it up with Lance Berkman. That whole year was a special year for me, and the the biggest reason is because 
the group of guys that we had on that team was as fun as I've ever been around. And, and it was just a joy to come to the ballpark. And I got so many good friends still that, uh, that were on that team. And it's, it's weird, you know, we played together for one year, but you could take anybody that was on that team, even if they were there for a brief period of time. And uh, we have a special bond that we share. So uh, that to me was the best part of that year outside of actually winning the world series is just getting to be around a great group of guys every day. And, uh, of course, to cap that off with a World Series victory in dramatic fashion, um, it's kind of dreams dream come true. It's, sometimes it seems like it happened to somebody else. You know, when I look back on it, it just is it's such a storybook type uh, situation that it, it, it almost doesn't seem real. So a um, lot of wild emotional swings. And the the crazy part about that year is we were sort of in desperation mode from about the last part of August all the way through the end of October. So it wasn't just like we got in the playoffs and, and had to dig deep. We were, we were in playoff mode about from, you know, say September one on. And when Hamilton homers there after the freeze hit that had tied it, how deflating was it? Or did you guys have a sense, like you said, you were in that mode for a long time. Did you kind of have a sense, you know, we're, we're not done? Well, actually, uh, to be perfectly honest, I thought we were done. <laughs> I thought that that, it, you know, it's hard to come back from a two-run deficit one time. And, you know, that game doesn't even get to extra innings probably 98 99% of the time against a good closer like Feliz like they had. Um, but then when they went up again by two runs, you're thinking there's no way we're coming back twice in two innings from a two-run deficit. But – uh, the one thing about that team, like I referenced, you know, the, the quality of the guys was such that you never really felt like you were out of it. You always knew there was room for a miracle, and uh, and that's kind of what happened. So as it was, it's funny when Hamilton hit the two-run homer. I remember standing out there in the outfield and thinking, um, "Well, you know, the Rangers deserve it. They they have a great team. We had a great year. We're going to be just as good coming back next year." That's the kind of thought process. But then when we got back into the dugout. And uh, I think it was John Jay let off of the base hit. It was either Jay or Descalso. I get them mixed up which one got the hit first. But the first guy up got a base hit, and I thought, well, you never know. And then the next guy gets a hit, and then it's like, oh, gosh, you know, we're, we got a real chance at this thing. And, and uh, so it just – sometimes when you're playing, it happens so fast that you're just – before you know it, you're, you're right back on the cusp of tying the game again, and that's kind of how that inning played out. You know, you're a, a longtime Astro. I think we always, you know, think of you in your Houston career. But it reminds me a little bit of Larry Walker, who was only here two years. Uh, they went to a World Series. They went to a CS. And he just comes back. He still talks about how much he loves it. It's interesting because you were here two years, two really good seasons. Talk about the connection you feel to the organization and to the city when, I mean, you are through and through an Astro, but that two years seems to have had a profound impact. Well, I just am very thankful that I got a chance to play for the Cardinals. It's a first-class organization in every way. And uh, part of that is they make their former players feel like a member of the family. And I think, you know, the one thing that makes the Cardinal organization uh, unique in, in all of baseball is the ownership that the fans take in the team. And it's like a family tradition, you know, father and son, Cardinal fan gets passed down. It's generational, and uh, you don't see that in a lot of places. Um, there, are certain, there are certain organizations like the Yankees, that I think, that have a little bit of that. But um, there's something special about St. Louis, the way they treat their players, the way the fans treat the players. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I've, I've played 12 years in Houston, and I certainly 
feel connected to the Astros organization, but I also have a, a deep, strong connection with the Cardinal organization uh, because of the way that they continue to reach out. I mean, they want guys to come back. They want guys to be involved. Um, I get invited to do a bunch of stuff in St. Louis. And, you know, obviously it helps if you have success there and we won that World Series. And I'm not sure, you know, if you if you come in and you just kind of have a so-so year or whatever, if, if it would be quite as, as much. But uh, I know that top to bottom, there's just so many quality people that are associated with the Cardinals, and that's what makes them great. Give me an idea, your take on La Russa from afar. It was pretty heated there for a while in the Central with the Cards and the Astros. And I'm sure he wasn't real popular on your side of the field. And then you play for him. Give me that perspective from the other side and then playing for him. Well, when, we, when I was playing against him before I really knew him, he was probably my least favorite person in baseball. Like, I've, I've offered to fist fight him in the parking lot. You know, like, that's kind of my sentiment just because you, you feel like, I don't know, it just kind of rubs you the wrong way when you're across the field. But then when I got a chance to play for him, and I'm so glad I did, he might be my favorite person in all of baseball. So uh, talk about a wild swing of emotion you know, having played against him and then playing for him, two totally different perspectives. And and Tony's such a great guy. Like, he, what you see in the dugout is not how he really is. And, of course, if, if you don't know him, you don't know that. And all you have to judge him on is he's wearing sunglasses at night and he's sitting over there, you know, and just ne- very, very stoic and never emotes. And it's just, it just seems like he's – I don't know. Sometimes you, you when you're playing against him, you're like, oh, this guy thinks he's smarter than the game and he's, you know, he's making all these moves. And But what you don't realize until you play for him is – everything Tony does is to win that night's ball game. Like he legitimately pours his heart and soul into every single game, 162 times. It's incredible. Like to watch him manage and, and you don't appreciate he, he doesn't think he's smarter than the game. He's just pulling all the levers that he can possibly pull. If he thinks it'll give his team a chance to win. And I have so much respect for him. Um, and of course, even when I didn't care for him, I respected him just because of the way his team played. How jarring and how surreal after you guys win the World Series in dramatic fashion, and then it's less than 48 hours, Tony has the meeting and tells you he's done. He has told me along the way that Duncan knew, a few people knew, but for the most part, it was this huge secret. What was that moment like when he told you guys, that's it, I'm done? Well, I mean, initially it was shocking um, just because you felt like that he still had a lot to offer. And I, I think, you know, that year was really tough on him because he had shingles the whole year, you know, and so he was he was in pretty bad shape as far as physically and the way he felt. So I know even though it was a lot of fun the way it ended, it, there was a lot. I remember many times walking by his office and seeing him laying on his couch in there, you know, with a cloth over his face just because he was in a lot of pain uh, from the shingles. So um, when he first told us, that he was not coming back, we were, everybody was kind of like, you know, wow. Uh, but then once I stopped and thought about it and kind of reviewed the year and um, what a better, you know, what better time to go out than right after winning a World Series. So it made some sense to me at that point, uh, but it still was, it was, it was pretty shocking. We talk a lot about your Cardinal connection. Give us an idea this offseason. You work with Matt Carpenter, another Houston area guy. How did that all come about? Well, Carb and I have been friends for a long time because he was a young player, rookie, really, the years that I was there in St. Louis. So he's from Texas. Um, he told me he we were he told me he had a poster of me in his room when he was a kid because he's from Houston, and of course, I, you know, I was playing with the Astros when he was in high school, so it made sense that um, that he would have been an Astros fan. 
And so we just had kind of hit it off and we keep in touch and we are both uh, go to this Christian uh, baseball players conference that they have every winter. And I was there with him and knew that he had had a rough year. So I just asked him, we got into a conversation about it and asked him, Hey, you know, what do you think happened? And so I have sort of followed him and, and had uh, an idea of what I thought was the problem. So I offered that and we again, continued the dialogue and he said, Hey, we come up and, and uh, hit with me at his, he's got a ranch right outside of Fort Worth. And uh, I said, yeah, I'd love to do that. So that's kind of how it all came about and drove up there and hit with him for three or four days and, and uh, really liked what I saw. And it's, I honestly am a little bit disappointed that they're not playing right now. Cause I think he'd be having a really good year. All right. You played with Carver and he was a young guy. You played with Wainwright. You play with Molina. Does it make Lance Berkman feel young or old to know that Wainwright and Molina are still going in St. Louis? Well, I guess it, it makes me feel a little bit young because as long as you know some guys that are still, you know, as long as you played against with and against guys that are still doing it, uh, you can't be that old. So uh, it does kind of make me feel young, but it does seem like another lifetime ago that, that I was actually playing. So I guess it just depends on my mood. What about uh, future endeavors? I know you did a little high school coaching for a while. I, I could see you, you're glib, doing TV. Any, any thoughts about that? I did a few games for the Astros last year, um, and, and I enjoyed it. It was fun. Uh, but I, I enjoy being around the players and kind of being a part of a team, and I, and I love the coaching aspect of it. I feel like that the things that I learned over the course of my playing career uh, could benefit the guys that are playing today. So I, I love to pass along uh, experience and information and doing things like I did with carp this offseason. I mean, that really is, is where my, uh, I think my passion lies. But when you were coaching, you had Andy Pettit as one of your assistants. So that had to be the most veteran staff, I'm guessing, in the league you were in. Uh, you think other teams were ever intimidated to look over and say, boy, that's a lot of big league experience on the other side. And did the kids all know your resume? Because years ago, Isaac Bruce told me he was coaching receivers in high school football. And he tells a kid how to block that field. And the kid said, well, what do you know? Was, yeah. Well, you could, you could probably look me up. Did the kids know your careers? And, and do you think it was intimidating for the other teams? Well, I think, I mean, in, I don't know about intimidating. I do know that it seemed like whenever we were playing, we got the other team's best game because um, whether it's the opposing coaching staff or the players, you know, they kind of want to like, you know, hey, we, we beat these guys. and. Um, but yeah, the kids are about the. I've I've had that kind of same experience that that Isaac Bruce did. Some and everybody, every kid's different, but you definitely get a few that are less uh, coachable than others. And uh, it, it doesn't take long for the allure of having a couple of former big leaguers. You know, like they, to them, you're just their coach. So um, yeah, I, I I think initially, especially when I first started, there was a little bit of that. Oh, you know, man, starstruck or whatever you want to call it from the players, but that that wore off pretty quick, and then it becomes kind of a typical player-coach relationship, which I enjoy. And um, they they kind of look at me as not a former major leaguer, but just their coach. You have one of the greatest nicknames in Big Puma. You have one of the most insulting nicknames in Fat Elvis. Who gave you each name, and do you go by either at this point? Uh, I I don't go by either, but. I Dan Patrick is the one that gave me Fat Elvis, and it wasn't he wasn't trying to be insulting. He was just 
uh, he, we were talking about nicknames and he asked me if I'd ever had a nickname and I said, no. And he said, has anybody ever said you look like anybody else? And I said, well, my mom used to think I look like Elvis, which I don't really see that, but that's what she said. Of course, she's your mom, you know, she's going to say stuff like that. Uh, and he, so then he kind of took that and he said, well, would it be the fat Elvis or the skinny Elvis? And I said, probably the fat Elvis, just because I got a big face and, and that sort of thing. And so they, that's kind of how that came about. But then the big Puma one, similar situation. I was in Houston on a radio show, morning radio show, and they were asking me about nicknames. And I said, I didn't really have one. I didn't really have one that I liked. And they said, well, if you could give yourself a nickname, what would it be? And I said, well, I'd probably call myself the big Puma because I'm sleek and fast and powerful and kind of secretive, you know, a uh, little bit of tongue in cheek and they loved it and started calling me that on the radio. And then it's next thing, you know, somebody showed up at the ballpark with a sign and, and that's how it got started. Lance, great to catch up. Uh, look forward to seeing you at Bush stadium. Once we get back to baseball and I'm sure you'll be around at some point. All right, Martin. Thank you. Always great to catch up with a player like Lance Berkman, who's just fun to talk to, gives you honest answers not taking cheap shots, but just sort of fun-loving guy. Great to visit with him. Looking forward to all of our visits in 2021. You never know what's around the corner. We've talked to comedians. We've talked to a colonel from Vietnam. So mostly sports, but sometimes we'll venture out. Also, the Martin and Marlowe segments every week on scoopswithdannymac.com. And the latest edition, late in the year, started doing the football conversations with Orlando Pace, the Big O Show. Coming to you late every week, looking at the football ahead, but also telling some stories from Orlando's Hall of Fame career, but maybe a St. Louis Rams story or two. And we're going to tee up some of his teammates over the next couple of months as well. Looking forward to all of that. Make sure you subscribe so it's delivered directly to you, iTunes, Google, however you get it. Get subscribed to the Kill Coin Conversation. Hope you have a great new year, and we'll talk to you soon.